LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. Hey, everybody, it's Steve, the Rogue Scholar, back from a weekend of, what, I guess, Easter, uh, Passover, family time. Those of you who watched the Masters, good for you. Yeah, last day was actually kind of fun. Um, today, we're going to talk about something that I am struggling with, and I figured I would do a video diary here with you guys. Maybe we can work this out together, okay? And so here's the dealio. When you're dealing with healthcare, I don't think I know a single leftist, quite frankly, I don't think I see a single left of center centrist not want Medicare for all. In fact, I even see a lot of Republicans want Medicare for all. So there's no issue with us wanting you know, healthcare. Medicare for all is pretty fucking popular. But there's this problem. And I focus oftentimes on the state-by-state -state folks because they are the most egregious on this. But it's for the national Medicare funds too. In the end, you're trying to change society by adding health care into the society's list of benefits through the, uh, I don't know, through the laws of the land. We're looking to change that. Now, obviously, you've got to believe that you've got a Congress that will pass these things, and we don't. And you've got to believe that you've got a government that serves the people, and we don't. But in the end, we all fundamentally want health care as a right. So there's no real disagreement there. However, when it comes down to pushing, how are you going to pay for it? There's a fundamental, outrageously important element because every single fucking program that we try for, whether it be canceling student debt, whether it be giving college away for free, whether it be you name it. The answer, the pushback, is either A, you're not spending my hard-earned tax dollars on that, or B, how are you going to pay for that? And I was on a panel a while back. We did a big thing with the March for Medicare for All group, and I was on there with Anna Malinow. They call Malawow. She was a nice enough lady. But she got to hear from me live on camera, us on a panel. And she got to hear from Virginia, who works with us. And she got to hear from the experts that we brought to the table um, how we would pay for that program. And it was leveraging an understanding of modern monetary theory that, in fact, we understand that by creating the conditions for Medicare for All, you immediately create so much efficiency that it costs jobs because the jobs that are out there 
are in the insurance denial business, right? They're in the business of turning people away and making it as complex and comp, you know, just shitty as you can make it. So there's a lot of money to be made in the business of denying care. So once you're in the Medicare for all, enhanced Medicare for all world, you're no longer dealing with that. And so by diminishing all those transactions, it has what we call a deflationary bias, okay? You're going to not need nearly as many people servicing this, okay? You're not going to have all this weird negotiating. You're not going to have all these back and forths between insurance companies and specialists and this and that and the other. One throat to choke. It is absolutely deflationary. What do you do with deflationary? Now, if you have no economic understanding, there's no harm in that. You just don't know. But when you're around someone that does, who specializes in it, who brings to the table the answer to your question, and you still come back with some bullshit answer, you're not doing your supporters any good. You're not doing the country any good. And you're certainly not going to see Medicare for all enacted. Okay. Now, if someone is an expert in healthcare delivery, in designing healthcare systems, in understanding the ins and outs of the administration of healthcare, you have an expertise in a very specific thing. If you come back then and tell me that I am also an expert in understanding macroeconomic implications of macro policy at the national level, if you tell me that, I'm going to be like, oh, oh, do tell. Fill me in. Help me out. Let me, let me see what you're saying. Okay. But if you don't have that as part of your work, you are reliant on people that do have that expertise. Or once again, when you get to the finish line, they're going to say, but how are you going to pay for it? All right. Now, it takes someone bold to tell the truth that taxes do not indeed pay for these things. And because of the deflationary bias of Medicare for all, instead of paying for it, we actually need a tax cut. We need a tax cut. But you'd have to be something. Something up here between the ears. There's got to be something else going on than just, hey, we're a coalition and we're all excited about Medicare for all. And like, we totally like love Medicare for all. And we totally like want it and stuff. There's a whole thing in there about the pay fors. And that's what separates the wheat from the chaff. That's what se separates the good ideas from the passing ideas. That's the thing that separates fantasy from reality. Now I'm saying all this stuff and this is not, you know, you're building coalitions with people and you respect their expertise on the healthcare, but they don't respect your expertise on the, on the economics. And then when they get in front of a huge crowd, like Katie Halper or someone else, and they just say, we're going to pay for it with progressive taxation, we're jack rate that we're going to do. It's not okay. It's not okay. That's not respecting your coalition. That's not respecting the expertise that you brought. So you're, you're going to buy a football team and you like, Hey, I love football. 
I want to be an owner. I got a lot of money. What are you going to do? Let me tell you, the most rich people in the world say, well, I need my accountant over here and I need this other person that's really good at assessing values and I need this person over here who understands legalese and I need this person. So you've got all these experts there. It's not like, well, you know, I just like the idea of owning a football team. I'm just going to do this thing. When you come into the game, you've got to have your how you're going to pay for it answered. And if you choose to go to bed with an mmt you should also choose to elevate what they've said as part of your coalition, right? You shouldn't be coming around saying, I'm going to pay for it with fucking progressive taxation. Okay, now, it gets worse. It gets worse. People like Nina Turner go out there. And Nina Turner has been bearing her soul. She's been working hard. She's been supporting Bernie. She's run for office. She's done this. She's done that. Over at TYT. But she's around Cobber Bank. And she was part of Sanders Institute. And she was around Stephanie Kelton. And she's still out there elevating Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan with our taxpayer dollars. No joke. And you go in there and 50 people respond to her and she doesn't acknowledge a single fucking comment. Not one does she acknowledge. She just blows right by it and keeps on marching, fists bumping, knees bumping, taxpayer dollars, taxpayer dollars. This weekend, there was a rally in New York City. Scott Disnoyer. Guy's got a very, very heart-wrenching story about his son. Something that I take very seriously and I feel for that man very much. However, when we presented to them the issues with state by state, instead of accepting that these guys focus on economics and they understand the economics of it all and they're bringing legal scholars and they're bringing economists to explain why the state-based approach is wrong and doesn't work. Instead, what ends up coming out from many was, well, you just are destroying the memory of my child or you just hate people. You don't want them to have uh, healthcare and, and just fucking blow up, attack, attack, attack. It's like, whoa, dude, because I don't back down, it's seen as I'm being divisive. But the truth is the thing that's on the fucking table. It's not just the truth for the sake of truth. It's the truth because it's true and you can't get legislation passed. You can't even build popular support if you don't know. They got a bunch of people. They're ready to go fucking state by state. They acknowledge they can't get it done in most states. They're hoping that that creates some spark. Okay. But let me tell you something. It doesn't really matter. In the end, you want to build coalitions. And unless the idea is that anybody that understands economics is not allowed to be part of your coalition or they must shut up and just go along and eat their peas, that's not really much of a fucking coalition, is it? And if you dare explain why the idea of a state that doesn't create its own currency cannot afford to do this at 50 states. And not only can it not do it at 50 states, even in the big states that it could do it in, 
it would be so precarious that if there was any hiccups or it failed or it caused any problems whatsoever, the other states would be looking on and going, huh, hmm, look, it failed in New York, it failed in California, it failed in Washington, it failed wherever, and now everybody's fucked, okay? Now, the next fallback is, well, it really doesn't matter anyway, because in the end, you know you're not getting any of this passed without a massive strike, without a massive, huge turnout of labor and a massive, huge turnout of people willing to do crazy stuff to force their government to do what we think it should do. Right. Okay. We already see most people can't be bothered to do the most basic volunteer work. We already know most people can't do anything unless somebody's written the entire fucking plan out in spades, given them the sign and says, take this sign, go to that spot and say, uh, unless you do everything for them up to the point of hand me the sign, they won't do it. Why? Shit, I don't know. I'm not wired that way. I can't, I can't speak to that kind of person. I don't know what they're, I don't know how they're, I don't know how they're wired because I'm so not that guy. And it's like, ew, it kind of feels gross kind of feeling when you realize people know people are dying without health care. People are dying. We got a climate crisis, et cetera. But to get them to volunteer to help educate, and say, what? I don't have time for that. I got too much Netflix to watch. What are you talking about? I've got, I'm busy. I've got lots of stuff going on. Okay. So you're in this trapped world where the truth when you say the truth, pisses people off. They get deeply offended when you explain to them that their idea that wasn't in any way, shape, or form run through the gauntlet of financial or fiscal understanding so they would absolutely understand how to pay for it. They don't want to know. So you're trying to build a coalition, and you, you are an economic activist. You understand how to pay for healthcare. You understand what is possible, what is not possible. And you are trying to bring your expertise in and it's simultaneously shit on. You're not shitting on their understanding of healthcare. Christ, they may know more about healthcare than you ever could. So you tip your hat to them for what they do know, but they won't reciprocate. They don't tip their hat and say, you know what? You're right. I don't know my ass from the elbow on macroeconomics. You seem to have been doing this for almost 10 years. I doubt we're even on this. Maybe you know a skidge more than I do, just a smidge more. There's none of that kind of reciprocity. There's none of that kind of respect. Okay? So they march through, and you're left as an economic activist. You are left with the appalling choice of standing up for truth, and then losing your coalition, being excommunicated and shit on publicly. Two, you're left with people telling you, hey, I don't want to get in the middle of it. I don't want to get in the middle of this thing. But the reality is there is a right answer. But I don't want to get in the middle of it. That's your, I don't know, I don't know what to say. And so ultimately, Ultimately, you're in a position now where your coalition will falter 
if you stand on the truth of economics, if you stand on the truth, you will either be excommunicated or you will be seen as divisive, lacking in solidarity. But yet you're the one that understands economics. You're the one that understands, but they fucking trudge forward and make you out to be the bad guy. How is it even possible to build coalitions when people don't respect that expertise? When they, not just the expertise, not just the expertise, but you're stuck sucking wind. You're stuck in this impossible place where you know truth and you have to ignore that truth because the others have coagulated around a freaking blood clot and are determined to kill the patient by economic illiteracy. And when you explain to someone, this is not fucking bullshit. This is not an opinion. Folks, it's not an opinion. It's a empirical fact that currency issuers and currency users are very different and the rules that apply are extraordinarily different. So how do you build a coalition when that is ignored? When that is ignored. And then they go out there with the heartstrings. Do all these horrible things happen to people when they don't have health care? Oh, we don't have health care. And it's, oh, oh my God, it's playing on my heartstrings. I'm feeling it so much. I'm ready to pray in tongues. I'm feeling the power of the Spirit of the Lord. But it doesn't have any teeth. It doesn't have the point of answering the question of how to pay for it, which is literally where everything goes to die. It's like plate tectonics. Here it is. You got this great bill. You got this other tech plate, and they're coming together. And it's like, ah, but how are you going to pay for it? And it starts going underneath. And all of a sudden, you get a tsunami. You know what I'm saying? But this is the point you get, oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. No, it's going to go down because plate tectonics swallow up the economics and it dies right there. It dies right there. And so instead of people understanding, I, I, I want to come to the party too. I want to be one of the cool kids too. I want to be part of the, the coalition. The only difference is, is that I'm, I'm, you know, imagine Lord of the Rings. I am Aragorn and I will bring my sword. And then I'm Gimli, I'll bring my ox. And I am so-and-so and I'll bring my bow, right? It's like, I am Steve and I will bring my econ. And it's like, yeah, but we don't need to know how to pay for it, Steve. We're going to pay for it with progressive taxation. You just don't know what you're talking about. You just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> How do you bridge those kinds of divides? Because it's like I have been in Zooms with experts talking to people in these spaces. Private Zooms. Private Zooms that are recorded that I wish to God I didn't have the integrity I have so I could release them. But where the responses go something like this, how could you possibly know? How could you possibly know that it wouldn't work? 
That's just your opinion. I'm not joking. Can you imagine the audacity of someone who hadn't even cracked the spine or an econ book, much less understanding what we're talking about? And instead of asking questions, the whole point of their conversation is, how could you even know? How could you possibly know? The amount of disrespect in that sentence alone, too big of a bridge to cross. Too big of a bridge to cross. And so now you're left as the splitter. You're left as the divisive one where coalition building is supposed to be going on. But the problem, once again, forever. Go back. You don't have to do much. Do a search on all the bills where someone asks, but how are you going to pay for it? Go back to Hillary Clinton laughing at Bernie Sanders, asking him how he was going to pay for all of his pie-in-the-sky programs. That's inter-democratic party fighting right there. That's not even crossing over into the, the bad guys, the Republicans block everything. You know, the lesser specimens that go to that one. I know you do. I know you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Your friends are ignoring you. Your friends are not paying attention. Your friends are dissing. They're not in any way, shape, or form understanding. They're just absolutely rejecting. And they're willing to make them. They're willing to patch things up. They're willing to become buddies. They're willing to make alliances again. However, the only way to making an alliance is to respect the activism and say, hey, you guys were trying to tell us something about the economics of this whole thing. You guys were, were trying to tell us about this. And uh, yeah, you, you know, unless you're willing, what, what, what exactly are you apologizing? What exactly, how are we building this bridge together? How, you know, what, how, where, how? Explain this to me. This is not hard. Folks, the federal government creates the currency, period. The states use the currency. The states are in a never-ending battle between each other, fighting for who's going to get Amazon to build its next warehouse in their backyard. And in order to get Amazon to build the warehouse in the backyard, they have to fucking cut the tax base. They have to decimate infrastructure, social spending. Because most states don't have their pensions, their state pensions funded. Most states have allowed their bridges and their roadways to go completely kaput. Most states have shitty schools. The schools are absolutely destroyed. They need to be rebuilt. They need to be renovated. They need to be getting all the asbestos out, for Christ's sake. Okay? And so what do they do? They start jacking up property values and what ha or property taxes. And then what happens? You see the flight, and this has been happening in New York. Do you know that the fastest growing income, the highest poaching of income now, start well, it starts with Maryland and Massachusetts and stuff like that, but the most recent spike in fat cats is in Florida. And it's not because they necessarily like DeSantis. It's because Florida doesn't have any state income tax. So they're fleeing to these states, places like Texas, okay? 
They destroy the fabric, the social fabric. And then they go ahead and lure in the business. The haves do well. The have-nots struggle mightily. Okay? This is the race to the bottom, and states are involved in this massive battle between each other. There's not cooperation between the states. These guys are like IBM fighting with Microsoft. These guys are like freaking, I don't know, fucking Israel and the Palestinians. I mean, they are fighting each other, and places like Texas wield their power. I mean, Rick Perry, old governor Rick Perry, used to brag about how Texas is open for business and they would be luring companies down there to Texas like you wouldn't believe, leaving fucking deserts of people unemployed and without any kind of potential for income and therefore starving the state coffer and the municipal coffers of the areas that they were once in. This is empirical for fuck's sake. This is some made up thing. And yet to say, how could you know that? How could you know that? So I could be friends with everybody. I'd have to literally stop being an economic activist to do it though. I would have to literally always be the one that says, okay, well, they're not going to listen to my econ story. Let me just go along, get along. Okay. Let me just go along to get along. And all of a sudden, all the push for healthcare and plate tectonics take over and they ask to pay for it and it's dead. It's rolled back into the core of the earth, molten lava, waiting for the next. I've got an idea that has no economic understanding whatsoever. And you can almost see when you explain to them Never mind the fact that every time you do these things, some fuckstick says, how are you going to pay for it? Well, we're going to have a progressive taxation. We're going to raise the income tax by 2%. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And what happened? Oh, and there you go. Look at this. Paper mills left Green Bay and moved to Georgia to pollute the Savannah River. Exactly. They go where the sweetheart deals are. This isn't controversial even. It's the way it is. So in order to be friends, in order to get along, in order to hold hands and show up to the next rally together, the economic activists have to fucking suck it up, allow the stupidity of the economic illiteracy of the group to reign supreme, to press forward like that old 8-bit robot game where the robot's up against the wall. Or if you remember Wreck-It Ralph, where the guy's just like marching up against the wall, can't move anywhere, can't turn 360, just... So how do you... How do you make friends? How do you... How do you maintain the coalition? How do you do that kind of thing? It's like, I didn't want to be an economic activist. It's just the area that I knew needed to be attended to. So I made the choice. And you know what? 
There's a lot of economic activists out there that focus on the tone policing and they end up suckling in and they end up getting run over. So in any event, you know, I kept thinking to myself, when you understand that when you vote for these people and you put your heart and your soul into these candidates and you expect great things from them and they don't deliver, you have to ask yourself, why not? Why didn't they deliver? And the people that are on the other side, the normie side, will tell you flat out, hey, man, what did you expect from them? You tell them, well, um, more than that. See, maybe we have a mismatch in understanding of the use of electoral politics at that point, this point in the U.S. history. To me, if you're a candidate, whether it be for a judge, whether it be for dog catcher, whether it be for your state rep, your, you know, Congress, whatever. To me, your job is to be a truth teller. Your job is to pull the curtain back. Your job is to be okay with being a one-term person. We got to get some people that are willing to be one-termers in there telling people the truth. And instead, everybody fancies themselves being the right person for a career in politics. So they start mama bearing Pelosi and they start playing nice with the disgraceful neoliberals in the establishment. I even had one person, and I'm going to read this to you because it's so, maybe I'm not, maybe I am. I'm going to read, I'm not going to show it to you because my intent is not to put this person out to pasture, but I'm going to read this to you, okay? And I think that these are the sorts of moments that will just really, really send you in the wrong way. So I get a message. If Jim Justice wins, Manchin will be back if he doesn't run for something else in the meantime. Manchin needs support to win this upcoming race to prevent the country from being completely red. As AOC indicated, the real votes for M4A are fewer than Congress lets it appear. I think that is the case for a lot of progressive bills. Manchin is not the holdup. He is what prevents West Virginia from being an even redder state that is almost always is. Jim Justice has presidential aspirations, I think. He could win the congressional seat and then run for president. He is popular and well-known in the state. I have seen Manchin work tirelessly for his constituents. People respect Jim Justice, who has revived West Virginia, but he is running as a GOP. He would tip the Senate even more right. It could happen. No overly progressive West Virginia candidate can win at this time. So vote for Manchin. Support Manchin. That was what was sent to me. Person probably looks in the mirror and thinks they just did a great thing. Amazing, shocking, okay? That people don't see that in the end, 
we're losing power because we don't have answers to the GOP's right-wing stuff. And not just the GOP's right-wing stuff, but the GOP-like Democrats are using the same GOP talking points. So ultimately, you're ganged up on by all the conservative capitalists in Congress, in the Senate, in the state houses, in the school boards, you name it. And because the lie is maintained, taxpayer dollars, that means that you're giving Republicans who fancy themselves to be the biggest taxpayers, you're giving Republicans the fuel to say, well, not my tax money. My tax money's not going to that. But I, I'm telling you this because every step along the way, there's some sellout. There's some person there to try and tell you that the truth isn't important, that they have an idea that you need to just ignore the truth because they are doing something different. And that if you stand up for truth and you're a splitter, you're the wrong guy, you're, the, you're wrong for the cause. This the contradictions are so grave out there, right? I mean, like even now, we've done, I don't know, three or four important discussions on the CBDCs in terms of uh, central bank um, digital currency. And it's not a speculative thing. It's merely an electronic digital version of central bank that allows people direct access and ultimately helps clear payments between banks quicker. Okay. But you've got everybody running out there, including this douche nozzle Kennedy, who some people have fallen in love with because he's an ivermectin anti-vax guy, but he is nuttier than a fruitcake. He's nuttier than your aunt's fruitcake at Christmas time. Okay. And he's out there telling people that the CBDCs will be used to take your Bitcoin. And so in the absence of real economics, jackasses like this Kennedy asshole are able to say whatever they want to say. The problem is those fuck sticks that you're supposed to be bonding with that won't listen to you about economics, they hear this stuff and they're off to the races telling everybody they know about these fucking fetid lies that they've heard. And they'll repeat that ad nauseum. They don't know shit about a central bank digital currency. All they know is some douchebag said something about it being a way for the government to spy on them and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. Of all the people in the world, the central bank doesn't give a flying fuck about spying on little people. That's number one. They're in the business of making money and they have no interest whatsoever in you and I. That's number one. Number two, though. Let's get it straight. Pick a lane. Either the Federal Reserve is part of the government, which it is, by the way, or it is not. If it's not part of the government, you don't have to worry about a CBDC because it's a private uh, digital currency. You don't have to worry about it. It's private, right? Dumb fucker, right? Right, right? Just, just, just private currency, just like crypto, just like Dogecoin. 
But you know it's not. But these fuck sticks can't get their fucking story straight. Is the fucking Federal Reserve the government or not? Hello? After a while, you see the contradictions, and it's almost too loud to ignore. It is too loud. For me, For me, it's like I feel like Bruce Almighty, and I hear every prayer. It's that kind of noise, okay? That's how bad this shit is to me. And I look around, and I see group A, group B, group C, group D, all in unified bullshit on the biggest fucking lies of them all. How do they generate consensus on idiocy, but truth is impossible to grasp. Help me understand this. Help me understand how groupthink is so capable of coming up with this nonsense about the petrodollar. But what about the petrodollar? The petrodollar. The petrodollar is a numeraire. Let me explain something to you. And, and this idea came to me earlier today when I was putting the money down on all the books that we're giving away for the Clara Mate um, Capital Order Book Club that we're doing. It said on the invoice, the, the uh, pro forma invoice, it said, must use U.S. currency to buy, to buy the books. Okay. I'm going to use my card. I'm assuming it's drawing U.S. currency and it's going to give you U.S. bucks. Why wouldn't they want Chinese dollars? China's on the rise, right? Why wouldn't they want yuan? Why wouldn't they want rubles if they're dealing? Why wouldn't they want euros if they're so powerful? Why wouldn't they want British pounds, pounds sterling? Why wouldn't they want that? Because you can't spend that fucking money unless you're doing business with China and you want to have some Chinese yen on your, in hand so you can transact. Why did they come up with the numeraire of the petrodollar being priced in U.S. dollars? They had to find a standardized currency, a way of doing things that made it simple. It's just a simplified way of doing it. So those folks have to go out on the foreign exchange market or whatever. They transact enough just to get those reserves to make the payment and, and whatever. That's it. That's nothing more. Okay? Because what matters is what people want to save in. And what people want to save in is usually the currency they're going to use. So if China has trillions of dollars of U.S. currency, trillions, and they don't want to hold any more. Why? Because they've realized that every year they do approximately $1.7 trillion a business with the U.S. or whatever. And having $5 trillion in holdings of U.S. dollars or whatever the amount is, is more than enough to satisfy the transactions they're going to do. Who gives a shit if they want to hold different currencies, right? Now, don't get me wrong. The SWIFT system that the U.S. government leverages for payments has been used as a weapon. So any country would want to break free from U.S. control. It makes all the sense in the world, but it doesn't change anything about the U.S. 
being able to buy things or do things pay for sale in its own currency. And again, the pro forma fucking invoice from the Chicago Press bookstore said must pay in U.S. dollars. At some point in time, you got to want to know. You got to want to be truthful. And if you tell people the truth and they don't accept the truth, there are some that would say just move on. But you can clearly see that these groups are advancing things in our name as progressives, fighting for health care, fighting for this, fighting for reparations, fighting for a Green New Deal, whatever. Now, how in the world could the government write off student debt if, in fact, it did not create the currency? Think about this for a minute. That would be requiring a private entity to write off all these debts for no reason. Or you would be paying hard-earned tax dollars to pay for those things, right? None of which is happening. These are a balance sheet. It's already been paid. The school has already been paid for your student, for your classes. The school's already received this money. They don't have some deferred payment. They've already received it. So the reason why we can write it off is because it's on a balance sheet. It doesn't matter. Okay? It doesn't matter. But you've got to understand the federal government as the currency issuer to get any of this. And so you're building alliances. You're building allies. You've got to be stupid about this to get along with everybody. Or you've got to be okay walking. Imagine this. Everybody's like dancing. They get in the groove. And they're all... They're doing the dance and they're popping and locking and moving around, doing, you know, whatever. Robot, uh, 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 right? Or head banging, right? And you walk into the party and you're like, all of a sudden you can hear the record go. And you're like, it's that Grumbine guy. He's going to talk to us about economics. See, they're fine not knowing it and they're willing to just, you know, that kind of thing. And you've got to be the asshole. You've got to be the willing fucker to go into the lion's den and tell them, sorry, I know we all want to talk fucking fart jokes. Because, God, who doesn't love a good fart joke, right? That guy, oh, my God. I enjoy the fart jokes, those fart shorts so much. I'm such a child. I admit it right up front. Fucking love the pooter. People staring at think It's great. It's great fun, right? But you've got to be willing to do that. But on economics, you got to be willing to walk in the door and tell them the truth when they don't want to hear it. Somehow or another, and I'm telling you right now, it makes building coalitions almost impossible. It's not because you don't want to. God, it's like, oh, I want to be partners with you folks that want to cancel student debt. I want to be partners with you folks that want to get health care. I want to, but I'm an economic activist and I'm coming to you to help bring my expertise to help you get this thing done for all of us. Not interested. I mean, if I don't know if you all remember the movie Dodgeball. But there was this one group of dodgeballs, you know, you got Ben Stiller and uh, Vince Vaughn and whatnot. There's this one group of uh, uh, 
uh, dodgeball team. And they've all got the Kango hats on that are furry and stuff. The guy's doing the running man while he's dodging the balls and stuff. I mean, I feel like that kind of a clown car with some of this. I feel like that kind of a clown car. Because you've got, I'm telling you, you don't know what it's like to be castigated, ostracized, beaten up. And then after they fucking tell you you're a splitter and you don't, then all of a sudden you've also got to hear that you're the asshole because you wouldn't stand in solidarity. You've got to hear everyone unite because the same fuck sticks that ignore it are the same fuck sticks that unite to castigate you, to act like you're the bad guy. Folks, I'm so used to being on an island, it doesn't even bother me anymore. But friends of mine, they're afraid to enter in the fray. And so they end up giving airplay to this garbage because they don't want to be seen as splitters. They don't want to get in the middle of it. But the problem is, going back over here to healthcare again, if on the off chance that one of those states is able to get it through, the wrong eyes, the eyes you don't want on it, will be on it like stink on shit. They have already got the narrative that socialized medicine creates long bottlenecks, creates all kinds of problems with care, and they cut corners and stuff. You mean the way the capitalists do, right? Because they, they don't have enough money coming in to justify an extra helper, or they don't have enough money to justify having another doctor on staff, and they don't have enough money. Whatever, right? They always come up with a, a capitalist version of why. Okay. But in reality, I want to say this. Any program we as socialists want to put forward, because we don't own control of this government. There is no socialist in Congress. There is no socialist president. These are capitalists, and you're begging them for fucking manna from heaven. You're begging them begging them to do the right thing when that's not what they're wired for. They're wired for maximizing profit, okay? But, and this is the hard thing, if I tell you we are going to institute Medicare for all in 2030, it's now what, 2023? So we're going to say in seven years, we're going to be working, putting bills, spending on getting enough doctors, getting enough nurses, getting enough clinics, getting enough whatever, building out the new structure that will support everyone to have care. Because if you went in there right now and gave everyone access to right now, hospitals are understaffed. The pipeline for more doctors and more nurses isn't strong enough. They have undercut this intentionally. But all it would take is the federal government to say, hey, we're in the business of giving you free health care and we're going to make sure we have enough staff to do it. And we're going to make sure that we've trained up enough experts so we have the real resources available when the bill gets passed. So there isn't any room for the fucking Republicans and others and the conservative Democrats to say, oh, see, look how it's failed. I want you to think about what I'm saying. I really want you to think about what I'm saying. And there's always some wagging dick tone police fucker that when you push back, 
They don't care about everything else that was set up to that point. Just like the kid that you shoot him with spitball in the back of his thing. And it hits the kid in the eye and he goes, and he runs over there and punches the kid for shooting him, his eyes dangling out. And he punches the kid that shot the thing at him. And the teacher pulls the kid with the dangling eye that punched the kid up to the front and puts him in the corner because they hit the kid. They didn't see the kid shoot the fucking spitball and knock their eye out. They only saw the kid that punched him for doing it. Okay. And this is the problem. This is the problem. And, you know, this is a great point. One more final thing because we're running out of time. Federal job guarantee would be the perfect start for building up our healthcare infrastructure. I'm not sure how that will work because the job guarantee is intended to pick up slack labor and to provide a base case for the new bottom for the unemployment, okay, to prevent us from having a uh, reserve army of the unemployed to having a reserve army of the employed, okay? And it's about redefining work and not competing with the other private sector work, but to redefine work to give people the kind of work that they want to do in their home and their community and not working for the man. Okay. So job guarantees a little bit different. It's a counter cyclical, uh, the economy goes up. Typically the job guarantee would go down. The economy goes down. The job guarantee would go up. There's no rhyme or reason to whether people have to get on or off. The idea is you can stay on as long as you want. But the bottom line is that the private sector has to meet or beat the rate the package, the whole enchilada to get you out of the job guarantee. That's the value there. Okay. And why also that they won't do it because that provides labor too much power. The job guarantee provides labor too much power. And I'll give you an example of this too. You're on strike. Strike duty pays you $200 a week. That's 800 a month. You've been making 3000 a month. All of a sudden now your bills aren't getting paid and you're going in arrears, okay? A lot of people are going to break that strike. But what happens if you could up and walk out and go to the job guarantee job in the midst of your strike, work for a living wage, get benefits during the strike, and when the strike ends, just literally stop doing your job guarantee thing and go back to work, right? They won't let that happen either because their goal is to protect capital, but that doesn't mean it's not the right answer. Problem is we can't get people to fight for these things to draw this boil to a head. We can't be the black salve that draws that boil to a head because we're too busy equivocating. We're too busy fucking it all up. Okay. We're too busy just repeating shit that's failed for the last 40 years. And the last one, this is going to be the hardest one because this is where the coalition of the truth building fucking fuck up every time. The UBI, universal, unconditional basic income. Folks, I just sat there and told you about health care. I told you point blank, we can give you all the free health care you want, but if there are not enough doctors and nurses to give it to you, it doesn't mean a fucking thing. I can give you cash. I can give you $1,000 a month. And that's supposed to pay for your this, your that, or the other. And guess what? If it costs $1 more than what I gave you, you're fucked. Or if you're working a job at Walmart and they subsidize their shit wages with your UBI, all that does is create inflationary pressures. I want to talk about inflation real quick on this too. People think it's printing money that creates inflation. Shut up. No, it isn't. 
the idea of not having the real resources there means there's delays and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you start getting people saying, hey, these guys have more money in their pocket. Let's raise the price. This is where price gouging comes in. They know for a fact that the market could handle them raising price of gas $2 a barrel or $2 a gallon. Or they know that the market, most people could handle buying an extra $2 for their haircut instead of it being $13, now it's $15 or whatever. I mean, I heard that going to a movie, and I don't go to movies, but I heard going to a movie now, you go one ticket during a matinee, you get a bag of popcorn and a drink, you're talking about almost $30 for a matinee for one person, okay? That's what used to be to go to a hockey game or to a rock concert. Now, all of a sudden, to go to a stinking movie that'll be out on Netflix in a week, you're going to pay that much per person? But you're going to pay 150 bucks. You're going to pay a car payment to go catch a flick? That's ridiculous. Okay? But this is where we're at. And so when you ask yourself, why can't we make this stick? Why can't we get folks to revolt? And how can we build coalitions when our coalition partners refuse to pay us the respect they demand for their ideas. For their ideas, they demand total and utter loyalty. But when you explain to them the economics of their idea that you support, I support your idea. Now, let me tell you about the economics of it. And they reject you. I want you to think about that. How do you build coalitions when that's the story? And I can't answer that question because I'm still ruminating on how to build bridges back, to unburn bridges that I have to ask myself, is it worth unburning? Is it worth unburning? Or do I just work around them recognizing we're nowhere close to the finish line? Too many people don't understand how bad things really are. And the people that do understand how bad things really are won't pay attention to the economics. I don't know the answer to it, folks, but I can tell you right now, as it stands right now, truth is dead. In order to get along in this movement, you've got to lie to yourself. You got to fake the economics. You got to glad hand people that don't give a shit about what you know and that gatekeep you out of the equation. And friends and frenemies that know you're telling the truth, demand and expect your expertise on other areas. But when it comes to this important stuff, act like they got to put baby in the corner, like you and your economics need to go over there. Your truth needs to go over there. We can't piss these people off. And that, my friends, is, that's the story. That's the story. I wish there was a better punchline to end this one on, but there really isn't, unfortunately because it's still kind of to be determined as to how to go forward. But I can tell you right now, I don't know how. I'm like Leonidas in 300 talking to, you know, the Persian king. And he says, kneel before me. And he goes, ah, you see, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a bit of a problem. You see, I've got this uh, crick in my knee and uh, it doesn't bend too well. That's where I'm at. With that, I'm out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org.